It's another Tuesday evening, and this actually is the best place to be right now on Ghana Radio. We have about um, 58 minutes or so of technology conversation coming up. It's going to be really, really thrilling, and I hope you're ready for it. It's right here. Welcome to City Trends. My name is Philip Ashon and City Trends is sponsored by Hubtel, helping you grow your sales. If you're a business owner and you're selling to your customers, well, the most important thing is making sure that that money comes in. So if your customers have to always, you know, come to your store before they can buy from you, well, you are actually losing sales. These days, customers want to shop from you and pay without necessarily coming to your store. This is where Haptel can help you modernize your sales. Get your own e-commerce platform from Haptel so you can sell in your store, you can sell online, and you can sell on mobile. Haptel gives you a free POS software for your store, a free mobile money shortcode, and a free web store. Sign in at haptel.com today using the referral code CITIFM or simply dial star 713 hash. Haptel helping you grow your sales. Well, on the show today, we'll be discussing Cyber Threats 101, some of the most common cyber threats um, trending globally, actually, and uh, how you can protect yourself. Um, as a matter of fact, it's... Um, going to be a very interesting conversation with three very experienced young men. Um, we have Desmond Israel, uh, who's a lawyer and InfoSec privacy practitioner or information security privacy practitioner. We have Gerald Insia Asari, um, who's a cybersecurity governance risk and compliance professional. And Ash um, Dasmalchi, um, Head of Cybersecurity, Quantum Security Solutions. Um, these three gentlemen will be joining me for this particular conversation. It's um, Trust me, it's, it, it, it will get you very, very interested. Um, so yeah, stay tuned in, strap in, um, get in touch with us. Um, our WhatsApp number is always available. Um, and let's, let's, let's get educated. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Well, it is that time of the evening on 97.3 City FM when we have technology conversations and um, some of you have been very vocal about um, some of the cyber threats that you've either observed, heard about, seen or experienced. And um, why not? Why don't we have that conversation on the show finally? So today I have gathered three gentlemen 
um, from various backgrounds, um, some with ponytails, some with cutters, some with um, everything else in between. And they are going to join me as we have a conversation um, about cybersecurity threats globally, locally, some of the trends that are happening, some of the solutions that are being proffered, and how, um, how, how we can how we can all protect ourselves, our companies, our businesses, our friends from some of these threats. And what are some of the common things we can do to, you know, cut it before it becomes like giant and huge and destroys whatever it is that we're building. So I'm going to get the gentleman to introduce themselves and then we're going to dive straight into it. So from in the far right corner in black and um, with white writings, we present to you this money job. Um, I'm a lawyer. I'm into privacy and also information security. Of course, subject is cyber security and it's a sub-component. Um, I run a company called Information Security Architect, which I founded in 2012. Um, and so with that company, we actually offer cyber security solutions and services to various clients in Ghana, um, including some banks. So yeah, we can talk to that. <laughs> well, um, our second guest in the studio, uh, also um, in, in spectacles and um, feeling very good about Ghana's um, hopes at AFCON, I'm hoping, is... Gerald Nsiansari. Um, I am a cybersecurity risk governance compliance professional. I'm based out in Toronto, Ontario, uh, Canada. So big ups to Toronto Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm a f um, f actually co-founder and lead of Gen IT Solutions, a consulting firm that delivers um, cybersecurity risk and consultant services to various companies within the finance sector, the uh, oil and gas, governmental, banking, retail, you name it. So um, now on to the one who doesn't look Ghanaian, but is more Ghanaian than you'd expect. <laughs> right, this is Ash. Uh, that's Malchi. Pleasure to be here. I'm also a cybersecurity professional. Um, I work for a company called Quantum Security Solutions. Uh, yeah, more or less what the gen said, you know, providing services, solutions to sort of secure the digital transformation as we've seen here in Ghana. I'm also a chapter leader for a thing called OWASP, uh, which is an application security project as a global organization. And I'll have uh, free sort of chapter meetings and workshops every quarter here in Accra. And yeah, it's great to be here. All right, brilliant. Well, let's let's dive straight into it. Let's let's start off with Ash. Um, from where you sit, um, walk us through some of the latest trends with regards um, cyber security breaches that you have observed or seen within the last, I don't know, quarter or couple of months. Well, a quarter is a long time. There's a lot <laughs> I've seen in the last quarter. I'll tell you what I've seen in the last week. Okay. And I think there's plenty already. Um, so the you know, I mean there's there's the usual stuff that we've seen. Um the stuff around ransomware that we always hear about and some people think that the ransomware has died down and it's gone away, which is certainly not the case. Mm. Uh, it has evolved, it got better, it got stronger, especially now recently I heard as we speak, uh, Bitcoin price has gone up again. Mm. So I'm sure there's some baddies out there you know, looking to the old codes again, refreshing them and trying to attack uh, some other organizations and trying to, to get them to pay up. So yeah, ransomware is definitely one of the uh, trends we've seen. Uh, recently, with sort of, sort of you know talks of war and everything in you know various regions in the world, we see that cyber warfare, for example, uh, is uh, is also a huge part of this whole um, sort of cyber game. That you know, nation states uh, sponsored uh, hacking groups trying to break into private organizations, governmental organizations. 
disable you know things that were to do with the, the health sector the banking sector uh, even the army all that kind of stuff so that's also something which could potentially even affect citizens as well if you like uh, and more locally here in Ghana um, the usual stuff the usual breaches that happens and we don't really hear much about it most prevalently I've seen uh, phishing um, a lot you know I actually had an email from one of our clients not too long ago and uh, despite all the protection they had on the email systems, so they still managed to almost fall, fall victim of a, a phishing email, a very sophisticated one as well, which they reached out to us, they forwarded the entire email to us, and we investigated and realized actually it's, it's fake. It wasn't sent from the CEO, actually someone was trying to masquerade them. Um, so yeah, these are, I would say these are the, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more than this that I'm mentioning, uh, but these are the sort of the global and the local trends, at least from my perspective. If, if I may ask, what exactly is a ransomware? So ransomware is essentially holding uh, your data hostage. So it's a piece of malware that infects your machine, your laptop, or your server in various different form that it may enter. So it could you know, be delivered via an email, a phishing email, like I mentioned, an attachment which could have some uh, uh, script or some uh, malicious code in there that runs on your machine. It could be directly uh, hitting your machine if you're, let's say I've seen a lot of servers also in Ghana still up to, you know, even now now as we speak, that they have uh, all these various different services and, you know, ports and everything open to the internet, things which are not even required. So there are people out there constantly scanning the internet and they're not doing it them themselves personally. They have code that does it automatically. So they go to bed. They have a piece of uh, program that runs, scans the internet, finds a victim, and drops uh, a certain sort of you know virus, if you like. You know this is traditional, we know. So once it infects a machine, uh, it would uh, just encrypt everything uh, in a way that is very hard to recover. It. Some of them are recoverable, but a lot of them are not. So. And they would usually put a pop-up message to say, hey, um, I got you. You have to pay this much money mm. so you can get your files back. And what I actually was reading recently, which was quite, quite an interesting aspect as well, they don't just, uh, you know, of course, they hit everyone and everyone, but the trend is more and more they go towards hospitals because they say a tradition in hospitals pay up because they're dealing with I patients' see. data. They're dealing yeah. with, like, uh, critical life-threatening situations perhaps. Yeah. So if you infected some hospital system, which is quite unfortunate to be honest, um, which happened actually by the way, NHS for example in UK was a big victim yeah. of this so when it ran somewhere, it became quite big with the whole WannaCry. So hospitals, they don't go around and get forensics. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's look into this. Let's mm -hmm. think about it. They're mm -hmm. like, you know what? How much do you want? $10,000? Let me pay for it. Because I, yeah, I have it. someone in the sur surgery room and they're just about to die. So yeah. so it's, it's very interesting to see that. So you're right. Ransomers basically make your machine almost unusable right. until you pay up. Or you know, you may come and say, actually, you know what? I don't even care about that data. I can just wipe it and put a new one. But a lot of people do care about data. And this is actually happening in Ghana a lot, um, unfortunately. Um, so, and there are ways to protect yourself. Of course, education is one of them, and there's, there's certain tools and softwares you can use. There's all these different layers of protection that you can apply to protect yourself against ransomware. But one thing for sure, ransomers are not going to go anywhere. They're just going to get uh, evolved better. They're going to uh, use even these new artificial intelligence, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they're just going to expand the sort of the attack vector and then try to go into you know, people's life and businesses, and they're going to find places that they know for 100% will actually get paid. Mm, interesting. I'll be coming to the whole issue of phishing because I have a feeling it doesn't involve water and it doesn't involve a hook, but yeah, when you think about it, we'll be getting into some of the common ones that you have found in Ghana as well. So, your 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 observation from a global perspective, from 
from Ontario and everywhere else. What what are some of the most common that you've seen and observed? Yeah, I think um, uh, what do you call the cyber threat, cyber attacks impact uh, all walks of life, mm. every industry. Um, so in Canada, for instance, or in North America, I guess we've all seen the news and stories. Um, there have been a few hits. Uh, Facebook has been hit with them. Bigger companies have been hit with them. Um, so uh, the most recent one that I could probably bring about is uh, there's actually quite a uh, recent news about how um, the, there's been some espionage that's impacted a number of telco companies, mm-hmm. uh, telco companies around North America and Europe. So what they do is they actually retain or kind of steal a lot of um, uh, recorded uh, phone messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also are able to uh, get access into uh, folks' uh, mobile devices mm-hmm. and are able to um, you know, uh, commit some man-in-the-middle attacks as well too. Um, the key there is obviously to harvest as much data, as much information, as much as as as, as quickly as possible, mm. and be able to put it out there in the black market. Right. And it's really cheap out in the black market as mm. well too. So anyone can really um, access some of these environments, um, pay the right amount of money, um, and actually use that data to be able to you know perform sophisticated or t- more targeted attacks to be able to either steal um, uh, financial records health records or what have you um, I think one of the the biggest um, concerns that have been hitting uh, some North American or Canadian companies have been uh, attacks targeting um, targeting companies in the financial sector. So okay. I, I uh, current, one of my clients is currently in the banking sector and uh, the, key, the key concern that they have obviously is how do we assure confidentiality, integrity and availability of our systems? Mm. One, to be able to continue providing services to our clients and also to be able to protect um, or be able to uh, assure the upkeep of the uh, their financial, um, you know, their money, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically been it. There's that. There's also, um, as um, as Ash also mentioned, uh, attacks to, uh, impacting the health and health sector as well too. Uh, it's not even about uh, gaining access, or it's not really about retrieving data. It's about even being able to read it. Right. Mm. Um, that's the thing with health records, you know, being able to access uh, John Smith's um, um, health record and be able to observe his uh, health history is, is golden to an attacker. Mm. So mm. those have sort of been the range. I think it's really not um, limited to um, just Ghana. It's limited to the world overall as, as every country or every region is embarking on digitizing the environment. Incredible. Incredible. Anyway, Israel. You know, from from where you sit as well, you you deal with you know the the banking sector, I'm guessing, and all these other institutions. What have you been observing um, in terms of cybersecurity and cyber threats? Okay, so the scenario um, has been touched on by Ash. Um, there's a lot of phishing attacks that comes through. Since we are on the whole issue, can you explain what this whole phishing business is about, just so that we clear the air? <laughs> okay, so phishing is actually um, an attacker sending you a mail, um, an email that's a make-believe email. So he could, I could receive an email, for instance, that is supposed to be coming from CTFM, um, but it's not actually coming from CTFM. Um, it could have a link in there that could cause me to compromise my system. 
Um, so usually what we do is we actually engage in email spoofing, which is to send a mail on behalf of people who didn't actually send it. Mm-hmm. That's because of some vulnerabilities with mail servers um, that are there. So you set up your phishing campaign, you have uh, some email addresses um, as your target and then you craft the mail so you need to come with a focus it could be that maybe we are trying to get people who are interested in um, um, is it December to remember yes. your, your program right exactly so we'll send emails to them um, that well they are doing a promo and it's coming from CTFM click on this click link click on this link and maybe ready start or get exactly or get some discount, discount. Um, when you him. click on them <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it to him right? <laughs> we'll craft one for you <laughs> so when, when you click on those links what those links what happens is um, you could have a drive-by um, a drive-by is actually um, a malware or a payload that is dropped onto your PC just because you you click sometimes you could just hover on the link and that's you, it oh yes that's it and you could still get you could still get um, um, hijacked or attacked um, so so once you receive the mail as many people as is, is, is sent to you, they click on if it's meant for spy activities um, espionage activities if it's meant for um, maybe um, credential harvesting or maybe um, financial data harvesting like credit cards and the rest so depending on the sophistication of whoever is staging the attack you could actually have what we call a cnc command and control so as many people that are clicking on it you sit back and watch and then depending on what you're looking for which target you want to engage you can use the same medium to send you know um, malware to them um, which will further compromise the, 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 their devices it could be anything it could be a server it could be a desktop it could be a laptop it could be a phone but once it gets compromised there are obviously other technical means by which data can be extracted from the device yeah. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. One of the things that fascinates me, and you touched on that briefly, but hovering over a link alone is enough for your system to be compromised. What are some of the most common ways by which people can get their systems compromised from your observation. Okay. Because this hovering business is scares me. <laughs> can you imagine my listeners as well? It does happen. I'm, I'm happy I, I'm here with like real techies, techie guys that I, I do respect and you know they can attest to that. Mm. Uh, hovering over a link can actually be the end game. That is yeah and these are stuff we live by these are things we do mm. to make a case you know so sometimes you're in a security assessment you are in a, um, an awareness training you want to show people that look this is not a powerpoint business people can actually hack you just by what you do you know and that's not necessarily what you did not do you know so yes it's it's possible but um, to touch on your question you could be compromised in a number of ways um, most likely we've been used to the internet so for now i mean any attacker who is interested in getting something from you will definitely come through the internet and don't get it wrong it's easier to set yourself up over the internet and control people if you want to you don't really need to be on the same network with them so long as what is going to cause them to compromise their device gets installed on that device or get put on that device so attackers actually come up with ways by which they would be able to pass 
these um, um, scripts or payloads or whatever you want to call them, but so long as it wants to compromise your device, mm. they, they, they find means by which they can send it off mm. to you, you know. So um, in the use of the internet, you come in touch with emails, you come in touch with browsing links, you come in touch with using social media. Um, most of the time, you're getting compromised through the links you visit and the attachments you read. Mm. Because embedding codes into images is no more rocket science. Mm. <laughs> you know, you mm. just need to know what you're doing and you'll be able to do that. Um, PDFs have always been our problem. Macros in Word documents and Excel documents have always been our problem. So you could actually tell that it's the things we do around us, the very basic things we do every day, the same way the attacker comes at you. So yeah, um, you could get compromised just by being yourself. You're still tuning to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. It, it gets more depressing by the minute, but I'm hoping that by the end of the conversation, my, my guests in the studio will give me a little more hope than they're giving me right now because I almost feel as if I am naked to the <laughs> world as it is. Gerald, I mean, for a, for a company executive probably listening right now, as depressed as probably I am, I mean, what what is he supposed to do now because it almost feels like everything i do every day compromises me by the second yeah there are i mean as uh as desmond put it right uh, there are basic um things that we do online mm. that does uh, you know uh compromise our systems and compromise our environment i could give you an example the linkedin right i'm dealing with a client right now uh, LinkedIn was quite recently hacked. Um, so what what happened was a number of uh, user accounts and passwords were harvested. These uh, hackers were able to uh, pick a particular organization because what happens is uh, we we uh, a number a number of people I guess create accounts using their uh, company or corporate email accounts. Yeah, so, people do. So, and, and funny enough, uh, it's the same username. Mm. It's also the same password that these individuals also use to log into the internal systems. Mm. So they have your username, they have your password. They already have, uh, through maybe privilege escalation or through some other, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, gaps or vulnerabilities within your internal network, they have uh, user accounts, your user credentials, they can easily access your environment. Mm. Bang, they're already in. The company in, this, in, in question here had uh, weak password controls. Yeah. Uh, didn't have the right password length in place, so it was very easy to gain access into the environment. So there are basic um, computer or IT hygiene activities that can be done to really safeguard your environment. There's also it's also key to lean on the experts, lean on experts like Desmond, like Ash, who really understand what it really takes to really secure an environment. Um, uh, you, you'd be surprised that there are people that walk around uh, proclaiming to be cybersecurity experts that really aren't. Mm. Um, even, even in the field of cybersecurity, I find I always have to keep abreast yeah. with the new technologies, with the new frameworks and new solutions out there. So they're certainly aware. And, and also there are industry best practices out there that have come up with um, um, strategies on how you could really move from um, from one level of maturity to another. Um, 
you know basically geared towards uh, the level of maturity of your environment as well too so it's it's i think what's key here is to really again lean on the resources that are out there it's great to hear that in ghana there or in accra there are so many organizations or budding uh, professionals or cybersecurity experts that really are looking for uh, clients or people that are asking these questions mm. to be able to provide the right answers ash yes sir how basic do, do these th threats come? Like, typical example, wake up in the morning. How, how, I mean, <laughs> Israel touched on it a bit. And yeah. I'm just wondering from your side as well, like, what are some of the most basic ways people get hacked on a daily um, basis? I mean, the, 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 the picture that you paint, it is quite scary. It's scary and depressing. And it's depressing. That's given. But that's technology. It's like, you know, forget technology for a second. Imagine cars. When cars were invented, seatbelts were not there in the beginning, right? You start driving around cars. Then it started having, you know, these sort of uh, engines that could go faster and faster and faster. All of a sudden, some people start dying. Like, oh, hold on. We have to add some security. Let's add airbag. Let's add seatbelt. All that kind of stuff. So... There are things being added to, on the technology front which act as those seat belts and airbags without your knowledge. Mm. You know, those are safety mechanisms in there. You know, like, for example, our emails that we use, most of them, they do have a fairly good amount of filtering built into it. So you don't get all the junk and, you know, that's why we have a junk folder, for example. Otherwise, you imagine your inbox would have been flooded with the thousands and thousands of, you know, unwanted emails. Potentially, some of them are malicious emails. Uh, in other aspects of the technology, same thing. Our mobile phones are fairly doing a decent job, you know, depending on the brand and stuff. They do, you know, have some sort of built-in mechanisms in there that does prevent you from, you know, downloading random dodgy applications or all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, it is bad, but you know, you shouldn't, you know, wake up every morning and kind of be concerned. Oh, today, how am I going to get hacked? Mm. Unless someone's out there trying <laughs> to get you, you know. Unless someone's out there trying. But it's it just about like it's like it's like anything else. It's like you won't cross the street without with closing your eyes, would yeah. you? You know, you you have your, you know, your your wits about. You start looking around. You know, be mindful of the cars and motorbikes and this and that. You know, the same thing with the car. When you sit in the car, you know you're going to go fast. You put your seatbelt on, or if there's a police around the corner. And so it's the same thing with the security and technology for that matter, you know, so you don't go start opening up yourself to the entire world and start, you know, uh, sharing your username and passwords and this and that and hopefully not sharing the same password, which is quite common. And people do that, you know, mm -hmm. same thing with our banks, for example, you know, I know a lot of people that use the same pin code across various different backgrounds, which is also not good practice. So education is a, is, a, is a major key here. Now, when you say about like basic attack vectors that mm -hmm. could happen to almost anyone. Of course, one of the avenues is the internet. That's the biggest avenue. All this social media and stuff like that. Again, not saying don't use social media. When you use social media, don't take photo of your passport, for example, your boarding pass and this and that, and share your location every single time. That hey, I'm here, I'm there, I'm there. Mm -hmm. Someone is out there. If they're trying to get you, they exactly can track your movement. They can see where you are, and they can build a profile around you and use that to facilitate uh, another attack, which is like a phishing attack or so, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. I would say one of the also easy attack vectors is USB. You know, these, mm. you know, portable mm. memories that almost all of us. Actually, funny story, I used to work in London and uh, we had a client in the States and uh, I didn't go on that gig. I had a few friends of mine, senior guys at that time, that they went to state. And this was a, you know, a, a tier one uh, sort of, you know, state of art data center, all that kind of. And the guys were like, there's no way you can hack us. You know, <laughs> you know, the usual, the usual Americans are as well. 
So this uh, buddy of mine, what he did, he literally dropped a bunch of USB in the lift on the elevator of the company and just went off. And of course, some people picked it up. Oh, free USB memory, four gig. Let me plug it in and see what's in it. And from there, he actually managed to you know penetrate the network and get inside. So USBs is a big thing, you know. All it's that is it's that simple. That simple. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's not it's not magic, you know. When we were talking about early on about hovering over, these are these are some of these things are features of uh, this technology, you know. Like a USB is supposed to. As a feature, perhaps it's supposed to when you plug it to your machine to make it convenient for you to automatically run, you know, open a, vi uh, a video or whatever. So you could use the same feature to say, okay, automatically, instead of opening a, a movie, open this program. And by the way, don't show that to the user. Hide in the background. Do you see what I mean? And don't even show the file. These are all features which can be abused uh, and it's within the capability of an attacker if they wanted to do that. So I would say a USB is a big one and uh, we see that a lot being, you know, going back and forth. Another easy attack vector, I see a lot of people, you know, a lot of us are using smartphones, you know, we are, we are you know, trying to get on these WhatsApps and selfies and Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Apple is quite good at preventing a lot of uh, sort of malicious applications. Android, not so much. So I'm an Android user myself, by the way. Mm. So nothing against Android. Uh, <laughs> but I've seen a lot of people that they disable these sort of security features, which uh, a lot of them are saying, you know, install untrusted applications. Android allows you to override that as a user. Yeah. Apple doesn't allow you to do that. Mm. And then they start downloading all these, you know, applications from the internet, not from the official uh, Play Store. And okay, fine, you got, you know, Spotify for free, you know, all that kind of stuff. You got a VPN server, all that, you know, things that you should pay for and you got it for free. But that comes with a price. And the price is usually that you know, application comes with the added luggage, which is spying on you, tracking your location, selling your data, you know, uh, it's trying to see what images you take in what locations you're on, that kind of stuff, you know. And some of those applications have been found to be malicious. So these are very, very, you know, I would say common stuff which could happen to anyone. So again, it just goes back to being aware of these things. These things are out there, you know. Uh, nothing can be trusted. Let's treat things like that. You know, nothing should be trusted. So if you want to cross the road, you open your eyes, you look left, right, you check for the troll, you check for this, you check for that. Same thing with the internet. If you want to use the internet, just be aware of what you're putting out there, what you're using, how you're using it. Now, of course, that's for individual. If your company, again, same scenario, you know, have the correct uh, sort of measures in place just to protect yourself, your employees, your asset, your information, your data. Like uh, Joe was saying earlier on, I mean, data is yet to be a valuable thing in this part of the world uh, because we don't, we're not, first, we're not so much aware of what data means in terms of the value of it, and also we don't have that much data. We're not that sort of data-driven, if you like. Whereas when you go to North America, Europe, or America for that matter, a lot of services are done online. So inevitably, you have everything online. Um, so you have your social security number, your first name, your date of birth, your password, everything is digitalized. So therefore, that data becomes super valuable because someone can just type in your social security. Let's say if someone types in your SNF number here in this country, and they could pull out your entire uh, history of your addresses, your health history, your bank accounts. We don't have that yet. Yeah. We have we have this sort of silos sitting around. We don't have this sort of central thing, which is, that's the case. And, and So that's a feature again. But again, uh, that's the case in uh, North America or America, if you like, or Europe or, you know, certain developed, uh, more developed country rather, is yet to become the case in Ghana. But I'm sure we'll have this conversation in 10 years' time when everything's gone digital and then 
Some guys went from outside using, like Desmond said, just using the internet. The, the guy doesn't even need to from Ghana. They just like, okay, getting citizen data, I can get it from this way. And there's one agency which is, you know, leaking data. Let me just go get it. And, you know, I have no even interest for it. Let me go sell it as well. They go to dark web or all that kind of stuff and sell it for the, to the highest bidder. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. On the issue of dark web, what exactly is that? People talk about dark web. This is some place where people go and play tennis for free. What, what is that about? <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Um, I was laughing because of some news items some time back about dark web. Anyway, so the the, the, the internet comes in parts. Um, what you and I use, and I'm I'm going to try not to be too technical. So Please. what you and I use is the surface web. So that's where we all go do a little bit of googling and exactly. And then there's the aspect of the internet that is not surface. It's the deep web, and that's the dark web. So that gives the platform for all sorts of stuff, um, some illicit, some illicit. And so um, for every black market, you know, in every business, there's a black market. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for cybercrime, um, there's a black market which thrives well with the dark web. And the dark web makes use a lot of anonymity, makes use of a lot of anonymity. And that's what makes it thrive better. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say it's not monitored. I'm not among thieves. I know among thieves, yeah, of course. No, uh, no, no always. <laughs> you <Not> don't always. <laughs> Repeat that again. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen cases, actually. I've seen cases, dark web hacking groups calling each other out. Exactly. And wow. Going yeah, all public. Go, yeah. Oh, by the way, this guy's not anonymous. He's <laughs> a Russian hacker. Here is his real identity. Actually, it happens. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, so, so yeah, so, um, so the dark web is that aspect of the internet that you you don't get to use on the regular. You you don't go there with your normal browser. Mm. You you have like um, an Onion router, which is also some kind of browser. A lot of people will know that by the name Tor. Um, you can use that to, to go on. You have special addresses that allows you to visit those resources. Mm. So if you're interested in going to the dark web, you you exactly you walk that path and 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 you're, and you're good to go. Mm. So it's it's, it's the internet as we, as we know it and the aspect of it um that is being run for other projects um, which are not necessarily illicit like that's why i said there's a illicit part of it so you mm -hmm. can have you military research going on there you can have a lot of uh, exactly journalists it's, it's an awesome place mm. you know it's, you just need to know what where you exactly to go. yeah right. yeah um, so yeah, basically that's 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 more about it about because I mean a lot of the conversation that some of my listeners probably have sent messages about has to do with the fear of what the dark web is, and I guess a lot of people just automatically ascribe it to just the negative side of it and never really think of a positive quote unquote side of the dark web. But, but, but from what you're saying, there is actually a positive side to it. Exactly, Th there's enormous danger even with the surface web. There's enormous danger with the surface web. I tell you something. Um, so we all use Google to do search. The way Ash is going to use Google, the way I'm going to use Google, Gerald is going to use Google, is entirely different. Yeah. And the amount of information that you're going to dig up would not make Google an evil. Mm. Is how much people have put about themselves out there. Mm. You know that would allow you to do that. So yes, you're on the surface web, but someone is using it so advanced. 
is finding so much both negative and positive. Mm. So it's the same thing when you go back to the dark web. The, the thing that I would say is the dark web actually forms the majority part of the internet mm. as it's come to mm. be known. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we are playing in the minority side. <laughs> because we, we honestly think we are just chilling. We are the big boys. Well, you see, th- th- there's something about technology. Um, you use what you can. Mm. That's why we have techno stress. You're not done with the last iPhone. The next one is on its way coming. You know, so that's it. It's like that with every technology. I mean, even with our security guys, you're done today. He runs an exploit. You see, it's, oh, it's awesome. You learn it. You do it. Tomorrow morning is obsolete. Mm. So that's it. Uh, you know, you need to know what you're looking for and you need to know when you're looking for it and how you're going to look for it so that you can keep that balance. But um, I'm not going to rule out the dark web as an entirely terrible thing. Mm. What I can say is that you need to be careful with your use of the dark web. Mm. And for a lot of people who think, that okay, so I have a VPN tunnel, I'm in a dark web, I use an onion router, so nobody's seeing me. There are equal tunnels that are built for the purpose of surveillance, mm. like the FBI, the CIA. All these guys have tunnels in the, in the dark web. And obviously, if you're found doing the wrong thing, you could be picked up. Gerald, for a business executive doing the listening right now, probably wondering if his IT, if, if his head of IT will be able to protect his company the best way he should. What's your advice for company execs, business owners who sometimes are reluctant to either give employment to experts like Ash and you guys and or want, don't want to commit enough to ensuring their security. What what would you like to say to them? I think you, it's, um, you have to consider exactly where your company or your business really is at. Um, if your company is one where uh, you are w- within the digital world. Um, your crown jewels are hosted online or are are supported online to enable delivery of critical services. It's important that um, that you really understand from a security standpoint what safeguards you have in place to really protect your crown jewels. So an understanding of what your crown jewels are. Is it is it uh, your credit card information? Is it um, um, uh, health records? Exactly what is it? And then um, how are you also, in terms of data at rest, data in transit, uh, um, how, how are you ensuring that you, are, you're, you have the perimeter built around that information and you know exactly where it's at, uh, you know exactly the state of it, and you understand also the posture of your environment. Mm-hmm. And it's important that companies start earmarking um, uh, or allotting some amount of budget just for their security, based on exactly how how um, how uh, how widespread that that particular environment is. I'll give you an example in the U.S. Um, in North America, it wasn't really a big thing. It was actually uh, very tough um, going to executives and really kind of promoting cybersecurity or appropriate uh, security practices to them. It wasn't until you had all of these companies being hit with so many hacks, so many attacks, mm. um, companies facing uh, regulatory fines and being put out there in the uh, media that a lot of people started listening to it. I mean, you look at the U.S. government, you'd be, you'd be shocked that one of the superpowers of the world um, did let themselves be hacked 
uh, by by Russia. You know, you had a situation where an entire election was controlled by another state. Uh, if it could happen to them, it could happen to anyone. So it's really important to do some uh, some homework, some housework, and it's a new area, it's a new field. Um, you can't. You can't just commit any IT person into it, anyone with a web development skill set into, into securing your system. You need to go out there for the experts. And it's honestly great to see that the experts do exist or are here in Ghana. So reach out, lean, lean on them, lean on your understanding. And they, they could walk you through. Um, I think the fear with a lot of companies and even companies in North America is... Um, you know, I don't, I, 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 what, what really understanding what my risk tolerance is and ensuring that I'm implementing solutions that really align to that risk tolerance, that I am not buying a Bentley when all I need is a, a Toyota Camry, right? right? It's, it's really understanding, okay, like drawing that balance is what is my risk and exactly how much of that am I willing to balance or control? And then working with the teams to ensure that they are giving you solutions. First of all, leveraging solutions in-house and giving you solutions or giving you solutions, best of the breed solutions to ensure that it matches uh, the, uh, the level of growth within your, within your organization. Israel, I'll be coming to you to ask you about how people, where people can find experts in Ghana because it's a very scary thing and people need to know where they can find the experts. But Ash, coming to you, can you give us an idea of the most common types of ransomware or threats that you have noticed over this period? Um, most common way of delivering ransomware, you mean? Or most no, like what? The actual ransomware. The, the types, the names, um, so people can be aware of sure, what's Sure, I mean, on. there's a bunch of them which made a bit of a headline. So um, there was, for example, the WannaCry, which is actually WannaCree, if you like, some, because it's crypto at the end. And then, yeah, they made a lot of people <laughs> want to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was the uh, Eternal Blue, I think there was another one. There was a bunch of different names. I mean, but Petia, uh, Petia yeah, non, non Petia and then the non Petia. I mean, the names, to be honest, don't matter because the names change, change by the week, yeah. by the month. Yeah. And then when you start looking at the code, it's more or less the same thing. Mm. Uh, I would say the interesting part of it is the way they attack and what they attack. Uh, what we've seen traditionally with these ransomers is that they mostly go for Windows machines. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's just because it's not greatly secure or it has some um, uh, sort of features in there which can be abused. Um, and Windows, actually, Microsoft themselves, which are the makers of Windows, they have admitted this and they have released what they call patches, fixes, you know, updates. Yeah. But unfortunately, it takes a while for the patches and updates to get installed. Mm -hmm. Not because you don't of have good internet, you just can't download. Either that or people just, you know, leave it for like, you know, once every six months or once every year mm. and they don't take that criticality mm. of it so important. Mm. And of course, because they still can use the, the software, carry on using it without yeah. updating it. You know, yeah. it doesn't stop you. It's not blocking you from using the, the tool, uh, the Windows operating system. Mm. So what we've seen is mostly Windows operating system. And uh, what we've seen mostly, again, attacking on Windows operating system is this thing they call SMB, which is usually forward for file sharing all that kind of okay. stuff um so uh and again a lot of uh, machines or servers or even windows personal computers which are attacked they were available on the internet so this file sharing feature if you like is supposed to be within your network it's supposed to be allowing you as a let's say a network it guy to share you know your human resources files or your accounting files online within your internal company network and not necessarily across the internet 
so due to some a lot of misconfigurations, people exposed this to the internet. On top of that, they forget to update the operating system, and then some guys are sitting on the across the world scanning the internet. First of all, they do the, what they call reconnaissance, so they do the scanning. They find out a series of machines which are running, you know, this certain certain protocol, the file sharing. Then they find the version of it because it's again certain versions of it which are vulnerable. And then once they have that, they either utilize that to attack it, or actually they now have valuable data. They actually go and sell this data. Say, hey, I have a huge file of hundreds of thousands of machines. Who wants it? You know, and someone would attack it with a ransomware. What happens to? I mean, if you do get attacked, what do you do? Uh, so if you do it, get attacked by a ransomware, uh, what you would notice is all sort of unusual behaviors in your machine. Most of them, they are quite obvious. You would see your background changes, your files changes, you know, you don't see Microsoft Word files anymore. You don't see normal icons anymore. All the, everything becomes just, you know, like a mishmash of, you know, file names and all that kind of stuff, things you don't, you don't even recognize. So what you should do is not pay up, I would say, because mm. the, the moment you start paying up is the moment you start encouraging them to go more and more and start doing it. Some situations I've seen that they pay up. Recently, actually, I was reading also somewhere in the U.S. that they said they paid up some huge amount of money. I think it was $50,000, $60,000 they paid up. Some places are very unfortunate, like, even though it was police as well. That's another place, like, additional to uh, hospitals. Mm -hmm. Police uh, police forces also get attacked. So what you should do is usually seek a uh, sort of expert. You know, get them to have a look at it. First of all, recognize, which, like you said, what type of it it is. Uh, fortunately, some of the ransomwares, there are fixes for it. Uh, you know, there are people who have dedicated the time, there are companies who dedicated the time, and somehow reverse engineered the ransomwares and managed to find a flow within the build of it, or managed to find a, so like a master key, which would unlock all the files. And they made this available publicly online, free of charge. Uh, so yeah, get an uh, expert to come in, have a look at it, see if it's one of those, hopefully, and they can unlock your files free of charge. And uh, if it's not, then it's tough luck. You either pay up or you just have to live with it and move on. Um, but to prevent ransomware, I would say, most basic, basic, basic thing. If we do have a critical file, if you have critical photos, music, albums, whatever you may call it, make a backup. Right. Very simple. Right. Make a backup, backup of it and keep the backup separate. Don't put it on the same machine. And, you know, have layers of backup. Make a backup and then also make a backup of your backup, you know. And we have all these USB memories and everything. So... You know, if it's certain company files or some historical data that you, you truly value it, you know, make sure you have a backup on a hard drive somewhere. Cloud, again, as, you know, a lot of people claim it's not secure and everything. I mean, I use cloud myself. If you ever, or I'm sure all of us, we use cloud some way or other, you know, our emails or our Google uh, photos or all that kind of stuff. Make a backup of it on, on a cloud, you know, to so keep it somewhere that in case that machine gets stolen even, you know, gets encrypted by the ransomware, at least you can uh, have a way to recover those files. Because right. if you are thinking about how should I fix this once you got affected, to be honest, it's quite too late already. Yeah. So uh, we, there, are, there are things you can do to prevent it in advance. Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. Do you have an app that can help make life easier for everyone? Do you want the world to know about your app? 
Send a voice note about your app to City Trends via WhatsApp at 0549-986-996 or tweet at us with the hashtag CityTrends. We will reach out to you on how to get your app on the show. So Israel, so you've been compromised. You are crying through WannaCry or whichever it is. How do people in Ghana, especially doing the listening right now, get in touch with experts, people who have knowledge about how to solve some of these problems? Is there a group? Is there an association? How do people get help? Um, for starters, I must confess that um, we, well, not to my knowledge, but um, I have not identified like uh, a, a repository of security practitioners like you would have maybe with accountants or any other profession. But um, what we what we have been doing for some time time now is we've created a number of groups. Um, Hash mentioned the OAPS group, um, which is a chapter lead in Ghana. Um, there's a WhatsApp group for that. It contains quite a number of you know people who know what they are doing. Um, on our side, uh, we also have um, Africa Hakon, um, which we've created a group. Um, for now, we also have a WhatsApp representative. Let me say that Africa Hakon has a footprint in Nairobi, okay. which is where it started. Um, started with the Ghanaian as well. Mm. And that's what we also pick up the image here. Um, on Africa Hakon, I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that group. There's quite a number of hands in there who really, really know what they are doing. Mm. Um, having said that, this this is just to the to the entire market. We we are fan fan of picking um, technology solutions guys, and wanting them to do everything. Let's get it straight. Yes, we do technology solution. I'm sure Ash implements technology solutions himself. I do. I'm sure Gerard does. Um, any other person listening to me who is in the cybersecurity space, one way or the other, is affiliated to a company that mm. deals in technology solutions. Yeah. But like I said, let's get it straight. There are issues that you need to identify who you need to fix it. Right. If you want to look for security vulnerabilities, you need to get good pen testers to do that job for you. Okay. If you are looking at dealing with malware issues, you have people who have built skill upon skill dealing with malware security issues. Okay. If you want to implement security technology, look for people who implement and are certified to do that. Mm. If you want to do training, you look for people who you know have the skill to do that. I really don't believe in the jack of all trades. Even though our market doesn't really, you know, appreciate and push the their niche ex- like exactly, that. you could meet somebody who are, who can do one, two, or three. But let's let's open up. I've, there are young companies coming up which are doing very very good, you know. And it's not always about old names. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's not about old names. Cybersecurity has its place. Um, it's not brand new, but if tell you what it fits well with the young the smartest guys are the 13 year olds and the 12 year olds <laughs> and right. so if you're dealing with issues like that from the ground up to the corporate level of course you have the right to evaluate which company Absolutely. you are dealing with we have the the uh, privilege to work with banks who pitch us over international companies mm-hmm. and we are proud you know but it's not because they want just want to use Ghanaian companies because they want to use somebody who can do the job right. and over the years we have proved that we can do the job so I think the market should open up. Many of them are too closed up because, yeah, we've been using this service provider for, for the past 20 years. Is our why internet service, why should we change? Or if we have a problem, they go, you have a, a security problem and you call their internet service provider. 
you know you need to scout out you need to open up um the more we also present ourselves with programs like yours we would definitely get the mileage but the need to scout out and look for 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 hands that would deal with the issue cybersecurity is a huge huge market where do they find you oh okay so <laughs> so <laughs> yes well for me if you google my name there's a lot you can get but um let me pitch a, let me pitch my company so if you go to www.isa.com.gh you would get spell that www.i for information mm-hmm. s for security a for architect so okay. www.isa.com.gh you would get um, a number of information concerning our company what we do the clients we work with and of course what we can offer for 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 you so let's do that across board then awesome um, gerald yes certainly um so currently i can uh, be reached at uh, gerald.asari at jennaitsolutions.com that's gen it jenna g-e-n-a-i-t solutions.com brilliant and uh, or i could reach also uh phone number 647-465-4261 brilliant ash uh, right, so I was going to say earlier on when we were saying, how do you find people? Just, <laughs> just Google it, you know, <laughs> just literally go to Google and type in cybersecurity specialists in Ghana and it, right. will, it will come up, Li- right. it literally will come up. So for me personally or my company, if you like, uh, so you just Google quantum security solutions and the website is Q for quantum and sec for security. So that's qsec.io. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be sort of uh, biased here. You can literally go on, uh, online Google and just type in, you know, cybersecurity in Ghana, company, whatever. And I'm sure you will we, have a list of uh, a lot of companies uh, that are, you know, operating in Ghana, some of them older than the other ones. And you can just reach out and say, hey, I have this problem or I want to discuss. And we are very open. We always have because it is a new field. Uh, we're not we're not quite held back. We go have a lot of conversations, a lot of sort of a pre-consultation, just to see what the clients want. That's other big issue as well. I've mm. seen that people don't even know what they want. They're mm. like, oh, I just want to be secure. I'm like, what do you want to secure though? <laughs> so, right. so it's like having that conversation. Start you know, start to have a conversation to see exactly like uh, Joel was saying earlier on as well with the whole uh, crown jewels. You know, your risk profile. What is exactly that you want to protect? Mm. What are you exposed to? And now let's sit down either provide a service or a solution in a long-term thing, short-term thing, according to your budget, according to your taste, and then uh, we can take it from there. Brilliant. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for making time to join us. Um, for th- you doing the listening at home, I do hope you have noted a couple of things down. Um, probably going to be a little more conscious about um, your cybersecurity and um, yeah, reach out to them at any point in time and I'm sure they'll be there to assist. It's been a very worthwhile conversation. Thank you, gentlemen, once again so much for joining me on the show. A big thank you to you for doing the listening. That'll be all for today's show. Um, massive appreciation for to you for staying tuned in. A big thank you as well to our guests on the show talking about cybersecurity threats and um, it was I do hope that you enjoyed this conversation it will be available as a podcast of course so make sure you look out for that one and um, yeah till next week stay techy
Well, there is very little time to waste. Ghana just qualified to the next round. So everybody's in a hurry to see what happens and when probably, hopefully, we'll never get relegated or um, we exit the competition. It's really, really exciting. And today's topic is very, very exciting as well. Good evening and welcome to City Trends, your number one technology conversation on Ghana Radio. City Trends is sponsored by Hapta, helping you collect payments easily. Now, if you're a business owner, selling to your customers should be the most important thing in case you haven't realized that. So if your customer um, or your customers um, have to always come to your store before they can buy from you, then you're really losing out on sales. These days, customers want to shop from you and pay without necessarily coming to your store first. That's where Haptel can help you modernize your sales. Get your own e-commerce platform from Haptel so you can sell in your store online and, of course, on mobile. Haptel gives you a free POS software for your store, a free mobile money short code, and a free web store. Sign in today at Haptel.com using the referral code CITIFM or simply dial star 713 hash and you're good to go. Haptel, helping you grow your sales. Haptel is definitely your friend if you want to grow your business. On the show today, we try to understand what data protection is all about and get some understanding as to what exactly is happening with your information within this jurisdiction that we call Ghana. We'll also get a sense of what the international best practice is and what we can do differently from what we are doing today. That is the big conversation on the show. Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. And welcome to the How to Segment on City Trends. This evening, we are looking at what Google sees and records about you. The good thing here is that unlike many other platforms, Google allows you to actually see a lot of what's being recorded. To see these things, visit myactivity.google.com and sign into your Google account. Scroll through some of the things that you have done on the various Google products. To get a more detailed view of what you have been doing, select Menu from the top left side and then select Item View. On each item, you can select Details to get more information. Go back to the menu on the left and select Other Google Activity to see data from connected devices. You can also download archives of your search history emails and more from this same menu. To delete your post activity on Google, go back to myactivity.google.com to delete each activity individually. Click on the three dots next to the item and select delete. To delete activity by topic, use the search bar. To delete every activity, click on the menu button, then select delete activity by date. Finally, select all time.
Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. The regulation of data is necessary in order to balance the protection of the individual's privacy rights with the rights of organizations and governments to collect and use data for business and administrative purposes. Examples of such data include a person's name, phone number, bank details, medical history. That basically is the understanding or the general understanding behind what, you know, protection of your data is all about data protection is all about now last week a special audit carried out by the auditor general on the electoral commission revealed what several media houses and some other people have termed as the sale of voters data to an accra based software development company known as b systems limited now according to the 2018 audit b systems limited bought the data from the ec and further sold it to financial service providers for a fee now the audit report also found fault with a lack of contractual agreement to cover the deal between the electoral commission and b systems limited in breach of procurement laws it was a frenzy and everybody was talking about it as you can probably imagine but lots of debates and discussions were just filtering through everywhere so we decided to iron out a few of the issues as best as we can on the show today so getting deeper 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 into the industry we decided to fish out some people who could help us to get a better sense of what exactly was going on and um, that is what we're going to discuss today. I do hope you're ready for that. My guests in the studio, um, Edu Ampofo is the CEO of v- Vilia. Um, she is also a compliance and data protection consultant. You're welcome to the show. Brilliant. Maximus Amatogo, he is like, um, yeah, he's everywhere. He's everything <laughs> and everywhere. So he's the CEO of Pop Out officially. But yeah, if if yeah he's maximus maximus you're welcome thank you very much paul damily of course ceo of approve as well as in the studio paul thank you so much for joining us thank you and richard j head of brands and marketing at insano as well joins us in the studio thank you philip ladies and gentlemen you're welcome to the studio now um where do we start this off so why is there a debate about whether data was sold or not and what exactly actually happened i don't know if let me let me start off with you edward um since you are the you know, the one who, uh, we are the compliance and data protection consultant, probably has a good idea of what, what exactly happened, if you can um, summarize it for us. Well, my understanding was that um, the EC entered into an agreement, an informal agreement with oh, B-Systems. informal. It's not informal. It wasn't informal. No. <laughs> <laughs> it has begun anyway an agreement without a contract right thereby making it an informal, informal agreement. agreement there are no terms there are no conditions there are no guidelines as to how you can use the data how you cannot use the data there are no parameters mm. it's basically free for all and the agreement was entered into for uh, benefit mm. I understand it's like 20% mm-hmm. return a commission so, Commission. A commission yes. of 20%. And the Data Protection Act is very clear. 
that, that any true. transfer of mm. data must be with consent. Right. But us, the electorate, mm. were never notified to give our consent. Right. And, and that is the bone of contention, basically. Okay, so to, to, to you, you, you feel that that wasn't the case. No. Okay, so what, what, what was the case? Okay, so I think there's an agreement. Mm. There's a memorandum of understanding between the EC and B systems. Right. And it sets out the terms on the data that is going to be shared. Mm. So if you read the agreement, what they say is that they are sharing names, photographs, um, and then voter ID numbers. And what is B systems doing with it? B systems is not holding the data. The data sits on the EC service, DVLA service. All that B Systems is doing is providing an interface mm. and connecting their APIs so that if a customer walks to a bank and needs to verify data, they compare. The reason why, and I agree that um, I think it's section 89 and 90 mm. of the Data Protection Act clearly prohibits the sale of data. Mm. It says it, that it's, it's a seal and it's, it's prohibited. But when I actually look at the MOU, I said, well, technically, this is not a sale. Mm. What, will comp what will be a sale? In the Sale of Goods Act, Section 1 will tell you that a sale, a contract of sale happens when there's a transfer mm. of property in the goods from a person called a buyer, um, from a person called a seller to the one called a buyer. Right. Let's look at the MOU between systems and EC. Mm. Is there a transfer of, 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 of data? No. The data sits on their service. Mm. The data is not in the possession of B systems. When you say you're transferring property, it means there's possession and there's title. Does B systems have possession? No. Do they have title? No. What they actually get is a read-only access, and that API is going to take that data. So the data is not even being stored on B system service. So where is the sale from? It's actually supposed to, and the whole point of technology is to serve as an enabler. Mm. Bank of Ghana gives financial, and I'm coming from the payment space, so I took my time to read this. Mm. So Bank of Ghana gives um, the financial institutions the owners to do KYC. Mm -hmm. So when your customer walks to the bank and the customer turns in the voter ID, right? There's some sort of implied consent because you know I'm going to verify. I have to prove. Mm. Are you the customer? Are you the one who is giving me this? Is it really you? I have to do my due diligence mm. so that I do not breach any Bank of Ghana regulations. Mm. B Systems realized the gap. In our national framework, we were supposed to have an identification portal. We don't have that. We are now doing that. So I took the liberty and, w and looked at the NIA website. And thankfully, in their envisioning of things, they've realized that we need online verification. So when you go on their website, as part of the things they do, they have online verification. And even that is also via a portal. So via a, serv um, a server giving you API accesses, and then you compare the data. Mm. That is why I say... For me, and I'm stating my stance clearly at the beginning, it, it's not a seal of data. Mm. There's no data breach, according to 89 and 90. Mm. It's, it, the, this is coming in, in, in a vacuum. And people will say, when I give you my voter's ID card, I'm supposed to, nice section 19 says you should use the data only for the reason why you took the data. Mm. I think that is some people's argument. Mm -hmm. Okay, if we should use the data for only the reason, then why are you even tending it in at the bank? Is the bank a polling station? <coughs> no. Mm -hmm. 
there's some verification supposed to go there. Mm. There's a vacuum. And because of that vacuum, you've gone back to it. I think if somebody's supposed to go to the law court right now and seek interpretation, I am not sure. I mean, this is my opinion. Well, I mean, I think one of the arguments that people often make is it's it's fine that, yes, we need someone to provide a certain service. Yes. In this case, B systems coming in to provide an interface between the banks and whichever okay, other okay. institution. Right. Hold yeah. on, just a quick second. So I think the main contention is mm -hmm. where we as people whose data are being you know used processed. for whatever processed where we informed ahead of time that this sort of transaction was going to happen and i think that is where the main bone of contention is paul yes um so i think it's very important to understand that um as individuals we have responsibilities right if you go to the bank right and you are signing up for a bank account you would have you'll be presented a form to fill mm. it's important for you to do that i would say due diligence yourself to read the terms and conditions mm. in fact for most financial services they clearly state it out there now i think probably where the issue is is because for example with your experience with say uh, an account opening uh, uh, uh in in a bank you probably weren't explicitly told and so at that point in time you wouldn't pay attention mm -hmm. and but the reality is that you do give consent yes you do but you see my issue is not necessarily me showing up at the bank because at that moment my issue is not necessarily showing yes. up at the bank because by the time i show up at the bank the transaction has already happened and 20 percent has already been paid or whatever or it's supposed to be paid Let what i'm asking mm -hmm. is at the point when the ec decided the Electoral Commission decided that they were going to enter into a contract with or a deal with B Systems. Whether it was them accessing the data, storing the data on their own service, whichever way it is, mm -hmm. were we informed as citizens? Let me let me explain how the industry works. Right. And this is standard everywhere in the world. Yes. Right. Um, the way it works is this. For every country, there's a national identity authority. It is the responsibility of the identity authority to appoint specific companies, be it public or private entities, to provide verification services. In fact, it is stipulated, you know, by the uh, EC laws that, you know, the data, your voter ID data that is collected is going to be used for specific purposes. The primary purpose is to vote, and there will be other nationally mandated purposes. One of those nationally mandated purposes is to do KYC, especially for where? Ghana, where, listen, oh, where is this hold on, hold on, there, for, for every, for every PII, PII means personal identifiable information, mm -hmm. there is, yes, there is a primary reason for which the data was collected, yeah. and there's a secondary reason, so, Stated? so Stated when you Yes, it is. It is clear. It is clear within the Data Protection <laughs> Act. You need to understand that the Data Protection uh, Commission is in charge and it basically tells you how information of all Ghanaians should be treated. Mm. Okay, and so back to my point of the purpose for which it was collected. Now, if you need to understand that once that purpose of verification comes in, when you go to the bank, it is the onus of the financial service provider to make it clear to you mm. and seek your consent, right? He seeks your consent. So 
if you are actually asking about consent, then you have to start from the point of the financial service that's actually asking you for your data. Mm. You, they have to make it clear to you that they are going to use your data for these purposes. Mm. And you, as the customer, must provide the consent. That is what we as you know, data owners, if I, if I own my own data, I must, I must make it my responsibility to ask. But surely the bank or the financial service also has to make this clear to us. Mm. So the EC never aired. The, the data that was collect collected was being used in this rightful, you know, way. Now, I can't tell the details. I wasn't there when, you know, B-Systems and EC <laughs> had their meeting. I, mean, I can't tell. <laughs> I've but seen the MOU and I'm yes. telling you. Sorry, that being, being in yeah. the industry, hmm. I know very well. Look, B-Systems has been around for the past 13 years, providing us with this service. When the national or state institution wasn't available to do this, hmm. They have prevented fraud. Their infrastructure is used to prevent fraud within our system. Doesn't take away the fact that due diligence wasn't necessarily Absolutely. Done. So we are not saying that there's no absence of due diligence. What I'm trying to tell you is that I do not know the details of the contractual details. Mm. But what I can tell you that for every country, its identity authority would make sure that if they are issuing you a license as a verification service provider, they have to make sure that you go through the due process, which I believe, you know, was done. So, so for me, I think the main issue is what exactly happened between EC and B Systems and that conversation, as um, um, Ed, you, you, yes. you rightly alluded to. But Max, please. Yes. So for, for me, the discussion is, is, is more about the relevance of the service B system is providing, right. right? It doesn't take away the basics of data privacy and mm. protection, which uh, my, my, my lady friend mentioned. At the center of the Data Protection Act is the data subject's right, right? Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. no third party, no data processor or data controller can go and interpret or uh, process the data without the express permission. Right. of the data subject it is clearly stated there it is so that if you are not the first the primary collector of the data if you are a third party processor of the data is there if you are a third party processor of the data you are supposed to follow the same regulation specific reason why the thing the was yep. collected mm. right so it has to be clearly stated right. so the thing is that there was a, a, a gap in the market space so from my investigation i realized that people walked to the ec with their uh, voter's ID card, asking for verification, authentication, or a stamp mm. for it. Mm. That's some time back, 2007, 2008, from my investigation from sources close to the parties involved. Mm. So what they did was, okay, the former commissioner was like, can you guys build an interface that can authenticate the validity of a voter ID card so that other people can use it? So yeah. when people walk there, they can al always cross-check. Because mind you, you are not only cross-checking the number of the voter ID, the number on it, but mm -hmm. the, the face, the, the station's number, and then all the other details on it. Right. So I don't buy that argument of a read-only. Right. Because if I printed a confidential document for you, an A4 sheet, mm -hmm. it's a read-only. You right. cannot alter it. Mm. Right? Mm. So that is a read-only. But they are solving a social problem. Mm they are trying to cure fraud in the system. But this solution preceded the Data Protection Act, mm. so 2012, right? Mm. 
so it preceded that the solution has been dead way before mm. so we have to ask the government why have you created a vacuum and why are you not filling exactly because vacuum? somebody needs to authenticate a voter's id mm. but why is there the commission mm. that's another question we are debating why are you asking that okay it's a service we are providing so i develop a solution that interfaces between all the other parties that need to because the ky uh, they know your customer thing the customer walks into the bank you right. can take a password picture of the customer you can take a template of the customer you can ask them for their name in the banking hall right. you could have done it without a voter's id right, right? but if i come and say i'm coffee mensa how do you authenticate yeah. i'm coffee mensa mm. so there's always a cross you know there's always a, a gray area so that's why the voters id the passport the dvla comes in because these are like uh, government uh, verifiable ids right. but as to whether the status subjects gives the permission to you know verify that's another angle right. but you see we cannot throw the baby away with the, uh, with the water at the same time but when you come to the barest minimum of data so we, we, we all agree that there was a gap subject. that needed to be filled. Exactly. There was a need for us to put in an institution or a system that would exactly. help us with the verification. Yes. But as to whether there was a breach at a certain point of yes. you and I's yes. privacy, that I is the... anger people are not looking at. Mm. Does the EC have the mandate to engage in a profit-sharing uh, venture? That's another legal <laughs> argument mm. altogether. Mm. So we have to look at the considerations of those things, yes. I think there is nothing wrong with the val validity yeah, okay. yeah. of what um, B-Systems was doing. B-Systems is a data processor, yeah. mm -hmm. but the EC is the data controller, yeah. right? So nothing takes away from, nothing about how important the work that B-Systems is doing takes away from the requirements or the the onus that is put on the data controller mm. yes. to make sure they have consent for the purpose for which the data was collected. Mm. And if they want to use that data for a different purpose, to then seek consent to do that, mm. right? That doesn't change on mm. the part of the EC. No matter how good the service is. Regardless of mm. how good the service is, right? And let's not forget that the entire Data Protection Act was made as a result of section 18.2 of the constitution mm. which is which protects our rights to privacy mm. right mm. so it is enshrined and then they we felt as Ghanaians and parliament felt that they needed to create an act to protect our right our constitutional right mm. so everybody has a part to play in the chain mm. and one part playing an important role does not absolve another part from their duties mm. to protect our okay. rights mm. so the whole chain is designed so that our rights are protected at every stage as soon as we start making excuses or giving an out mm. right to data controllers especially statutory data controllers okay. if you ask me i think they should have a higher threshold mm. to meet mm. than any other because they hold our most important and our most sensitive data, and they hold that for the majority of the population, the whole bulk of Ghana. Mm. So their responsibilities have to be very clear-cut and very stringent. Rita, you, you wanted to come in at a point, um, so had, a, had, a, had a point to make. Yes, so I, I actually agree with her that nobody should give um, any data controller the leeway to exploit our data. Right. But 
situating this, this whole discussion, what I want to say is B systems in this agreement would only be engaging in a breach to me if by the terms of what they have received they use it for any other purpose and the verification which they said in the mou that they signed mm. so that would then be they're going outside of their jurisdiction and that is what they would should they should be crucified for not getting the the data that they have now if you look at section 21 of act 843 that is the data protection act it allows that personal data can be collected indirectly from the data subject. What it's saying is that the data, the, the, the data subject, that is you and I, mm. who have given our data out, right? We can allow the indirect sharing of our data, if only under these conditions, to prevent, the, to prevent um, detection, investigation, punishment or offense of any breach of law. Mm -hmm. The next one is for the protection of the interest of a responsible person mm -hmm. or a third party to whom the information is supplied. So I read it as when I go to the bank, right, still with my voter ID card, there is an onus of whoever it is that is sharing that information to protect my legitimate interest. Mm. I have an interest in the contract that I'm about to sign with the bank as a customer mm. and as an account holder of mm. the bank. Mm. And to protect that interest, I can give my consent for my data to be shared. Mm. And I'm saying that that consent is implied in you giving me your voter's ID card at the bank to say... But that's at the bank. Same. That's after yes. the damage has been I done. Think, I'm saying it's necessitated the discussion. I think so when you work in there, against what will the bank do that's very... very no, but you see... No, but where I is it stated in the law that is an implied... The fact that the fact that there's a vacuum... The fact that there's an implied or there's a there's a certain vacuum that has been created doesn't necessarily mean that we can make a fix and legitimize the fix. Exactly. Um, can I explain Hello. what the process of or the, the idea of data processing means? Now, there is a chain. Mm -hmm. Okay, the data processing, the activity of data process processing only happens when there's the need for it to happen. Mm. So typically, until I have only gone to the bank for a service and given my consent to the financial serv service financial by delivering my, my card, my card then, well, hold on, listen, then that is when that activity happens, the data processing. Thank my you. company is a data processor. This is yeah, how it, it oh, happens. Let me, is the let me, let me walk in the bank. Oh. Is the physical ID card, not no, no, the no. Listen, version. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. Listen. <laughs> the process starts mm -hmm. from the consumer. Right. Me as the owner of my data, mm -hmm. when I give my card and I agree that I want this service, it is there in the terms. I give consent. Maybe where financial services feel it's not being explicit about it. Mm. That's what I believe. Mm. But okay. once that, that initiation has been done by the owner of the data, mm. that is only when the bank or the financial service can make a request mm. to, to B-Systems. Now, it gives B-Systems also an opportunity to make a request to whichever database, mm. be it EC, Social Security, National. Then EC would have to approve that and return the result or confirmation. That is how it happens. Right. So there, in no way will that process from the EC's point just happen out of 
any right. context. Yes. It doesn't happen out of the vacuum. Is it it what, only what is happens smart, smart, smart. at the point of the owner of the data activating that request. Right. Without that activation of request, it never happens. I am no saying this because this, without this, it. this yes. is our industry. Definitely. We serve clients I, globally. I, I get that. I get that. Now, my issue is, you see, I have two main difficulties okay. in this whole conversation. Number one, in the first instance, mm -hmm. whether it was implied or not, mm -hmm. my consent was not sought. Oh, you walk oh, consent. What, what do you mean by you're consent? Oh, hold on. I'm talking, up, I'm talking about the moment when the EC and B systems mm -hmm. came into agreement as no. to hold on, hold on, <laughs> okay. hold on, right. hold on. That's where my that's where my first challenge is. The, it, this is coming on the back of a regulation yes. by the Bank of Ghana. This is not coming because the ECMB system just want to share the yeah, that 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 no, no, That's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's the issue. That's the issue for me. The Bank of Ghana cannot, cannot breach the, the Data is. Protection Act because they give the bank some job to do. And the thing is, there's a difference between data access, which he mentioned, and data processing. There are two different No, 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 Please, let me explain that for I would, I would want to know what is the definition of data access and data processes <coughs> so that we will be able to go. <laughs> there seems to be a disagreement about where the breach occurred. Right. Yes. This side of the room thinks that the breach occurred at the EC handing yes. out the yes. data. And we think the first the there's no breach unless why is there no breach? Unless after. Why is there no breach? You see, because my thing is, when I went to the EC uh -huh. to sign up for an a card yes. to yes. vote, to vote, yes, I signed up to vote. Yes. That was a prime purpose. Absolutely. So now, mm -hmm. if my data is supposed to be shared with mm -hmm. a second party, mm -hmm. whether implied or not, yep. I am supposed to be told about it. Was I told about it? No. 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 So why are you presenting your voter's ID card at the bank? Is that a police station? No, 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 no. Why do we have? My issue is that even before, even before I went to the bank or to the financial institution or whichever institution it is, I am asking. Was there at any point in time in our timeline in our history mm -hmm. where the EC gave an announcement to all Ghanaians that your information is going to be used by Bank A, Bank B, or by Bank. this particular institution, and therefore, for that reason, I'm going to get a 20% whatever commission or whatever. I'm just asking, don't did that ever it. happen? Hold don't. on. Did that ever happen? No, Was that's not supposed Philip. to happen. Why is that not, th why is that not supposed to happen? Philip, Philip, if, oh, hold on, Paul, hold on. Okay, hold in, in, in the statute that you read, if something like that is supposed to happen, me, as a person whose data has been collected, I am supposed to be informed about it explicitly. What you're saying to me is that, no, we don't need to tell you. It's because you came for a card to vote so we can use your information whichever way we want. What is the information what being used for? It doesn't matter. It does it not does. matter. No, it does. No, it does. No, it, it does. It's coming on the bank of... This is statute. Why did they create that statute? Why did Bank of Ghana create that statute? The fact that there's a vacuum. The fact that there's a vacuum that has been filled or is supposed to be filled by some other institution does not absolve one institution from informing me as the person whose data they've collected exactly. you that the they want to use it for something. Exactly, Philip. I have to be told. Philip, let me tell you this. Yes, Paul. Right. Clearly, according to the data protection laws, right, data guarded by the EC hmm. is also part of PII, personal identifiable information. Yes, personal data, not wait. EC. Wait, wait, hold on. No, yes. EC... Every state institution that gathers information about you, mm -hmm. that term for that 
information is PII, which is yes. clear in our Personally data protection law. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So this is what I'm saying. It doesn't absolve the EC mm -hmm. from administrating, you know, the right, you know, procedures, right. you know, adhere to the laws. Yes. But this is what I'm telling you for you to understand. Mm -hmm. Once it has been stated in the law mm -hmm. that the EC can collect such data, mm -hmm. right, they are supposed to abide by the regulation. Yes. Now, I'm telling you that you only act, the, 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 the process of, you know, acting that law out only happens when you seek, when you expressly give your consent, right. right? And I am saying that that process starts from you because you as the owner of the data, mm -hmm. you are the one who says yes or no. No, using my information. Paul, even before, That's Paul is. hold on, hold on. Hey, Paul, even before I went to that institution to ask or request that my information be used to verify A, B, or C, even before that process began, Yes. Was I informed by the institution I gave my information exactly, to? Because it is it. clear. It is clear. According to the Data Protection uh, Act, it is clear that once a state institution collects information from you, there are primary and secondary purposes. Mm -hmm. And it makes it clear as to the instances and for example it also states Philip, hold on yeah, yeah. it also states in the law that before my information can be used for a b or c i have to be informed absolutely it's there. So that it's is th there the law informs you the law tells you that this is what the purpose for which your information is being collected for you which, see, you and see. this is how and this is how or the circumstances under which your information would be used. So the yeah. Data Protection Act is clear about that. It it is not ambiguous about that. It is not ambiguous. But was I informed? I was not. You were informed. How was it I is, informed? For example, if you are right to come, how do you know that you have a right to communicate? How come? How come? Because <laughs> you see, but how do you know that you have a right to communicate? Tell me. That's a different no, 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 information because the law says that you have the right to information I you only know that you have a right to protection because the law clearly states that you have this right now it also clearly states that the actors within that activity the data processing should seek your consent now that process of consent would only be initiated by you the owner of the data the ec can't initiate it's it not. the verification service can't initiated the financial service can't initiate it it is only you the owner of that data so two things are clear over here first the law makes it clear that and that these are the circumstances under which your data which can be processed Paul. Oh, and she read it, it. it. hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on so so let's not confuse this is this is this is i think we should get the one so this is hold on hold on hold on this is city trends on 97.3 city fm as you can see we're having quite a bit of a debate about what exactly data protection means and what lines were crossed at which point in time in our timeline um it's very clear that the room is very very divided one side feels that there's no problem with it it was fine and we initiated it and we got it together so we're good one other one of the sides of the room also feels that 
there was a fundamental problem right from the beginning and um we 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 basically are trying to just make sense of everything because i think that the point where we need clarification on and i really still have still not gotten like a clear idea of when this actually happened at which point and i i correct me if i'm wrong was the ec supposed to inform Ghanaians? and this is just you know like layman's question was the ec supposed to inform Ghanaians that their information was going to be used by b systems at any point in time was ec required to do that can i yes please so the ec at the time they were collecting the information didn't envisage that sorry 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 sorry. that is not an excuse no no let, i've not even finished what i'm, I'm saying. saying no no what i'm saying is that the ec in their wisdom if they are collecting your personal information yes they can only assume that the data has its primary purpose that mm-hmm. is to vote mm-hmm. and other secondary purposes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. which is enshrined in the constitution yes it's enshrined in the constitution which part of the constitution gosh hold on hold on this is within you all have the right mm-hmm. as individuals mm. for your information to be used within a certain circumstances absolutely so any state institution that's collecting your information they have all of that in mind mm. right the only reason the only the reason, reason we are taking you are basically saying that we we, wait, should, we wait, should trust wait. them to do that well, well so, no, 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 I'm not saying you should trust. Of course, that me saying that they, it's their job to right. do it and they're not doing their job. Those are just are two different things. Okay, right? cool. What I'm saying is that mm-hmm. when they are they've been entrusted with that responsibility mm-hmm. to collect information mm-hmm. about you, mm-hmm. right? It is implied that one, the information they are gathering for you has a primary purpose mm. that is, you know, to verify your identity for mm-hmm. voting. Mm-hmm. What it also means is that. According to the Data Protection Act, any other info, uh, purpose for which has been lawfully mandated for that information to be used, it can't be useful. So that is something that you have to be clear about. Right. Now, I don't think the EC envisaged that they would give out your information to someone in the future. But the needs, as and when they come, right? Am I not supposed to be informed about that? That That is clear. I've told you that this is quite clear within the Data Protection Act. It's clear. It is implied. No, it's not implied. It's clear. It's that there's no implication. No, yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is but that it's clear. The point about me what being about informed about, about you're talking about yeah, because well, I'm yeah, yeah. no, no. I'm just saying. I just I just want clarification. I just yes. want to know it like yes or no. Was mm-hmm. was the EC required to inform me as a person whose data they've collected? Were they supposed to inform me that they were going to use my data for A, B, and C with B systems? Was there ever a point in our timeline when that was supposed to happen? Let me say I, something. I just, I just want to know, okay. Paul. I just want to know if that was supposed to happen. Okay. Based on the law. Based on the law. supposed to happen. I'm supposed to be informed yes. when my information is supposed to be used for any for other any purpose. primary or secondary purpose. Uh, but I wasn't informed. Based when on the law. Yes. Based on the law, the data is supposed to be collected mm-hmm. and used only for the purpose for which it was collected. Yes. yes. And that is voting. Right. And that's what we stated fundamentally. Sorry. Yes. But in my initial submission, you I You said it was you, implied. No. Okay. I, I, is this, no this one, this said. one. No, the implied comes in when it works the bank. Yes. That's it. But in my initial first submission, what mm. I said was that 
in this country, there's a vacuum. Mm. There's a vacuum when it comes to identification. Mm. We didn't have a national identification authority. Yes. There was no way by which um, in, in the whole country we could identify people. Mm -hmm. That is why we're using... Today, when you walk to any place, they tell you, do you have a voter's ID card? Mm -hmm. Do you have a DVLA li mm -hmm. license? Do you have a passport? Like, these are things that now we have resorted mm. to using mm. because we don't have one identification authority. Which is fine. Which is fine. Mm. And I'm saying that I also took the liberty to go back to the identification authority to even say, based on this whole data protection, like, noise that we are making now, whether even the identification authority is going to allow for data sharing they have allowed it if you go on their on their website right now they allow that you can access data to identify somebody okay. so that principle of we verifying customer data by an online portal to identify somebody there is nothing wrong with it mm, but at the That's point when, at the point yes. when yes. i was yes. on, on. at the point when no, I, understand I understand i understand that principle but my issue is at the point when i was signing on yes. you clearly stated that there was a vacuum I can't I legislate I for a vacuum. And there needs to be a law that governs that. I don't know, know that. which parts of this that I we are not understanding. there is a simple step that the EC missed. Yes. They should is. have issued a notice. I that's mean, that's what I'm asking. Did that ever happen? It didn't. Nobody is blaming these systems here. And give written consent. They oh should have dear. issued a notice notifying us that's of their intention to share our information with third parties data processors uh -huh. in order for them to fulfill these types but of activities. are you saying that this is not done at all it's, it's not being done. done. It's not true. How do you know that? Oh. No. At which point? Well, this is what I am. You're misinterpreting this. Because the law is here. The law is here. We can read it for what it is. We'll read the KYC law. That's what the KYC is. That's what the KYC is. No, no, no. No, I see. Before, because data protection KYC has something to do with data protection. No, KYC does. No, but there is, a law, there is a law that governs KYC. There is an intersection. There is an intersection between KYC and data protection. That is why the Constitution will say that. The Constitution as we have it. Our 1992 Constitution is the overriding law of all of them. What is the Constitution saying? The Constitution is saying by Section 18 that you have a right to privacy. Yes. And the Constitution, when they set up a Constitution, they also set up a way for it to be enforced. That's why we do acts. So that's how come this yeah, data protection act that has been teased out. Mm. When you go back to the Bank of Ghana, mm. right, and it's also governing the financial system, Bank of Ghana regulations, which protection comes law. under the data protection law. Oh, Bank of Ghana okay. is under the data protection. Hold on, hold on. Yes. I told you that there's, a, there's an intersection between KYC and data protection. Mm -hmm. When you're given by Basel regulations and all those things that we do abroad internationally, accepted principles for banking, you need to know who your customer is. That's why which you is go fine. To, which is fine. Yes. And you need to identify and verify that this person is who he says he is. Yes, but we and have a situation in Ghana where that was a vacuum and therefore B systems coming in. But then before B systems comes in, uh -huh. they have to have a relationship whatever with the electoral commission. Now I'm I'm just asking a simple question. It's a yes or no okay. question. Okay. Did the EC at any point in time in our history 
inform us as Ghanaians that our data was going to be shared in one way, in one form or the yes. other with B systems. No. When did that yes. happen? I have not previously yes. that information. Yes, yes because so, okay. unless, unless you can oh, 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 unless, 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 unless you can tell me no. Wait, let me wait, wait, Philip, wait, I was wait, talking to people. Philip. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't think it's a problem. I'm saying you are saying that the conf the constitution, right? I mean the data protection makes it clear. It's just a simple question. The data protection. That is a Philip. Let me just make this statement. The data sitting at the EC. Yes. It's not owned by the EC. It's owned by the individual voters. Of course. That's what the law says. Of course. Like I even walked to the EC and tell the EC, erase my data. Yes. And they are bound to do that. Yes. So if you are giving a backdoor access to my data, backdoor. Just use backdoor. I'm not saying. Why backdoor? Why backdoor? Let's use the right the data here. is supposed to be used for voting. That That's the, the primary, primary purpose. Yes. And the law says that if mm -hmm. we are going to engage a third party to process the data, and when we are talking about data processes, it's not data access. No, 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 no. You are uh, let me make my can I if I no 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 let me tell you I, I do research when I walk into CTFM and I ask people which TV stations or TV programs do you do you watch or radio program do you watch? I'm collecting your data. But the analysis is the processing, right. not the access to the report, to, to uh, access that I give to people, uh, uh, the third party people on the report that I gathered or the insight no, no, that sorry, I gathered. Please, can you, come, so, come, can you come again on the processing part? Sorry, I missed that part. You yes, said so the processor, you mm -hmm. cannot process somebody's data without their consent. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is number one. So the data subject must be in the known. Yeah. Yes. If you are going to engage a third party processor, mm -hmm. the, the, the third party processor must process the, uh, the data based on the specific uh, permission well, that the data subject has given. So it, it reverses back to the original intent of the data collection. Right. Yeah. It doesn't use goodwill or social interest or whatever <laughs> to do it that is what the law says that's but that's what but the law says but you so when, when they say kyc look paul we are into we're all into the technology space when they say know your customer yeah. they are instructing the bank to know your customer that is the bank so if i it walk is, into a bank yeah. with a, a, a voter's id that this is my voter's id mm. don't forget that id cards are supposed okay, to have physical uh, security yeah. features mm. right so that when i present the Ghana uh, uh, passport or driver's license to you, there should be a physical evidence to prove that this is authentic. Mm. Now, I must give that permission that you can go and cross-check my, my voter's ID with the EC if it's authentic. That consent was not granted. Now, I said in the beginning that the issue was that people walked into the electoral commission to have their voter's ID card verified. They needed a note to go back to the bank to authenticate that. And then they engaged uh, this system and they developed a simple solution that, hey, we can build an API that can interface with you so that you do that when people, so people don't need to walk physically to your, your office to have the thing, uh, their voters ID authenticated. That is the, 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 what informed the development of that solution. Right. Um, right. So, so for me, can I read this section, please. Yeah. You asked sorry, the question. Sorry. She's please. answering. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I just wanted Max to finish. Max. Yeah. So okay. that is the thing. Is solving a particular problem for the electoral commissioner and the voter who is using the voter's ID as a form of authentication. Yes. Because we didn't have the national identification authority. We're supposed to be in charge of identifying Ghanaians. Mm. So there's a data protection act which even the U yeah, the UK uh, identification authority mm -hmm. is also there right that is their job to identify Ghanaians 
when it comes to the the ec it's totally different it's just like snit why don't we use snit uh card to do a uh, verification why don't we use other your your school uh what do you call it People your school ID card, card to do the same thing no but the thing is that you see Snit card, do you use it in the in the See, bank? I've uh, used a Snit card in the bank. The bank of Ghana. I've used my Snit bank. Okay. Yes, I've bank of Ghana says there are specific documents that okay. can be used. So, okay, so I wanted to read the section, section twenty of the same Data Protection Act mm -hmm. at eight four three. It talks about consent and the justification for consent mm -hmm. and it says a person shall not process data without the prior consent of the data subject mm -hmm. unless the purpose for which the personal data is processed is a number of things but i wrote this because it, it was in line my, with my argument it's necessary for the purpose of a contract to which the data subject is a party mm -hmm. a person shall i'm reading it again a person shall not process data without the prior consent of the data subject mm -hmm. unless the purpose unless the purpose for which the personal data is processed mm. is necessary for the purpose uh, for the purpose of a contract to which the data subject is the party well, was i sorry, how so, were we a party? so how I'm how, sorry, like so how exactly were we as citizens of ghana a party to the negotiations between the electoral commission and b systems yes. i'm saying exactly. that where this is um this contract to which a party lies between you and the financial service provider oh no that's where i've, I've been standing from beginning the you know the title it's, it's is actually needed. consent, consent and justification for consent yes and objection is there and if you look at it um, we provide kyc services like i said so the kyc services is what you actually need to finish um, how do I say it? going through that? But that process. is the that is the that, that is the so bank's that's that, the bank's headache. Yes, that's what their I'm job. What I'm actually it's saying is that <laughs> this part. Look at it in this way. Mm -hmm. There's a customer mm -hmm. who needs to access a bank services. Mm -hmm. That is the that to, in that case the two of us are parties to a contract. Mm. Clear? Yes, the two of us are now parties to a contract. So for me to actually fulfill my part of the contract my obligations in that contract i the bank has to prove that i am the one mm. how does the bank prove that by going back to access those ec systems and then doing no, it but you see the contract between myself yes. and myself and the, and the bank is very very different from my contract between sorry sorry mm -hmm. the contract between me for the passion and my bank whichever bank it is yeah and the contract between myself philip Sean, and the electoral commission are two completely different things no they are but, not but, but listen listen they are not why to you know why the other it's actually a flow it is a flow that's going on if the ec is not able to uphold their part of the bargain and for you to be able to verify that i am who i am then that second leg of the contract between me myself and the bank cannot be i did not see i did not see any authority at which point did i see any authority to I don't know the electoral commission to act on my behalf in terms of negotiating a certain transaction between the bank and the electoral commission. Let I me answer that. No, let me answer that. Can I answer that? Yes, please. The Data Protection Act is clear about what data can be done. You know how it can be used. The reason why I, in the first place, when you ask the question whether uh, you were let known right by the EC, I'm saying that. The Data Protection Act says that there 
you you are the data subject right mm -hmm. if you are data if you're a data subject it means whichever institution be it a government entity like the ec or a financial service once you are collecting your information you're a data subject mm -hmm. right and so this is the common thread within this entire conversation do, do you understand what i'm saying now this data protection um regulation clarifies exactly under which circumstances for which any state institution can basically make use of your data so whatever the ec does it is subject to what the data protection act says you your ec your, your voter data in that basic in that basic transaction you did with the ec basically it is subject to what the data protection law says and so in this case before you give out your information be it ec um, your voter information be it any kind of financial information that is used to verify you you have to give consent so if the ec is working with a third party it stipulates how the data protection law stipulates how that should be done and it has been clearly stated here that they need to see consent the only time that activity of verifying your data or processing your data happens is when you give clear consent you as the data subject has to initiate that process when you have not initiated the process there is no way the ec can let go of a data subject's information you need to understand that in i think subsection 63 of the law act 843 it mm -hmm. says the provision of this act do not apply to the processing of personal data for protection of members of the public mm -hmm. a against loss or malpractice of the provision of banking insurance investment other financial services or management of a body corporate um, it goes on to say against dishonesty or malpractice in the provision of professional services against the misconduct or mismanagement in the administration of a non-profit making entity blah 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 mm -hmm. now my issue is mm -hmm. the law is saying that the provision of this act do not apply to the processing of personal data for protection of members of the public against loss or malpractice of the provision of banking insurance blah 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 now my problem is um how can the law say that like i'm just wondering like it is 2019 how can the law still be saying this good so there's one thing that i actually thought about when i was looking at this act this act is 2012 this is 2019 obviously there are gaps i think some of this some of the, this act has not anticipated a lot of a lot of things mm -hmm. and if you're looking at it a lot of acts have been amended this is one act that, has, that ha does not have an amendment so maybe this issue is going to help us all to have actually amended and make sure that it's it's, it's tackling the data protection issues of our time. This is a time where there are big technology companies streaming people's data, using, yeah. selling people targeted ads, cloning apps, and taking people's names and all of those yeah. things. These are the things that our law has to be anticipating. So already on the back of my mind, this law needs an amendment. That one, yeah, fine. I, I agree. I yes. think within the context of the Facebook analytical story, right? So the yeah. issue was that people, the data subjects were paid $21 to have their psychographic profiling done via the app. Mm. But what the app did was they went beyond that the, the, the mission yes. and then extracted 
public Shutting information tab. of their friends and followers mm -hmm. you know to go beyond the permission that given to them by the 200,000 uh, data subjects mm. so that was the point of 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 the argument not necessarily the fact that facebook made your account portable so you can move your data and give the permission to somebody to analyze your facebook data that wasn't the issue the issue was that they had access to other people's uh, so for example if i consented to it and then mm. they pulled all my friends five thousand friends they went beyond the scope they yeah. went beyond, they beyond the, the scope yeah. yeah and that's what we are talking about mm. if you go beyond the stated permission you are breaching the the the, the right of the uh, of it's the data subject slope. is that something i mean where do you but stop? you see yeah. exactly for we me all agree this system that. is solving a big problem yeah. right in ghana that you can't take it away from them Absolutely. they've been doing it for 13 years but the law is the law mm. so that let's see how we can make sure at least with this kind of story and report we should be able to you know resolve the issues mm. and then tell it we'll all be we will be at peace and reduce fraud and our data will be protected. Before, before we get into <laughs> the messages, Edu, you have something to say? You know, I think, I think everybody has a very valid point here. And I think sometimes the laws don't necessarily always marry. Um, I think that the Data Protection Commission is the enforcer right. of our right to privacy, yeah. regardless of what the Bank of Ghana says, regardless what any other state institution says. They're there to make sure that everybody is doing things the right way. I think EC made, I think EC made a misstep. They could have just issued a notice or something, let everybody be aware of what they intend to do, how things are working. Mm -hmm give us an opportunity to speak back or not, but at least, you know, we have a notice, right? right. They've made us aware, yes. right? If we have an issue, we can take it up with right. a commission. The commission mm. will be our advocate. Mm. They'll investigate. Yeah. Mm. So that was skipped. And that is, I believe, to be the basis of this entire issue. Mm. If they had taken that step, what the data processor is doing would not even come into question. Exactly. Mm. Are we agreed on? Let me sorry, let me sorry, sorry. Final, final comment. So let me, let me. I'll come, I'll come, I'll come to Paul and 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 Rita in a minute. So Zumani says, although there was a gap that B Systems has filled, EC has breached the law by not seeking our consent. By my presenting my card at the bank as an explicit consent is after the event. The processing starts once the agreement was signed, not when the cards are presented at the bank. Now, more comments. Oh, wow. This is a very good submission. She's right. Let's look at it from the point where I'm supposed to be to physically walk to the EC to verify your ID. But now the processes or the process has been replaced by a system and now we are talking <laughs> about data right. protection. Well, we have to talk <laughs> about data protection. Philip, before you walked into the bank or the financial institution, your data had not been shared with anyone. anyone. It was upon submitting your voter's card and giving your consent, consent that your data was accessed. That comes from Francis. Of course, everybody has your side. Guys, you should discuss these issues carefully. Does the privacy of the individual outweigh the benefits of the verification? How is KYC fulfilled without verification? That's coming from Prince in Medina, in, uh, Medina Estate. Giving your ID to a teller is an implied consent to have your ID verified. Good evening, Philip. This, 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 the EC, <laughs> the EC holds your data and your data will not be shared unless um, yes, you yes. you request as a data owner. You do that when you show up with the card. That is the only time the bank, um, in this case, can go ahead to verify. The bank do not even know your card number until you give them the card. That's what gives access. That's coming from Thank Alfred, you, Alfred, from Ashali Butri. Now, one of the biggest issues, of course, is... Um, the wrapping up comments. So let's take the wrapping up comments from so I think, Rita um, and Paul. What I would say is, um, I agree that um, there's a gap with our, with our um, 
current data protection act and it, it, it really has to be looked at so that we amend it and we make sure that it's suiting our time i like one thing that maximo said that you don't go beyond the boundaries so that's what i'm saying that for me um B Systems has not done anything wrong. They only do something wrong if they go beyond the boundaries of the access that they are giving. And even that access, is a, like I, I'm saying, is an API access they are, com they are connecting. If they go beyond it and they step beyond that, bound th that verification authority that they've been giving, then we have a real issue. Mm. But I hope the Data Protection Act will, will then be ready to take up some of these things. Do you agree that up. there's supposed to be an amendment to this particular I act? agree, totally. Paul, well, wrapping up comments. Yeah. Yes, what I, I think you do said something very important. She made mention of the fact that the Data Protection Commission is the enforcer. Yeah. What it means is that any kind of agency, government or individual that collects information on you, Data Protection Commission has a job mm. to ensure that the right thing is being done. So finally, if this has to be resolved, right, it will... All our debate, we can debate it clearly, right? But the Data Protection Commission has to come that out to come and in. say that, yeah. well, the writing was done or not. Because they are the entity that has been given the responsibility to interpret and execute the law. From what I know and from what I've read here, right, consent starts with the data subject, yeah. right? When the state entity like the, the EC is collecting your information, the Data Protection uh, law covers how, under which circumstances, and when you could basically use the information. Mm. And it is clear. It's not ambiguous in any way. Maybe, well, like Edu recommended, what could have been done was to be very explicit about it or help interpret the law clearly so that we as individuals will understand. But like I've said, nothing, no wrong has been done at all. They have been within the confines of the law. Well, that is all time will allow us on the show today. A big thank you to all my guests in the studio Edu Ampofo, Maximus Ametogo, um, Paul Damali, and Rita AJ. Thank you so much, guys, for being with us on the show. And thank you guys so much for your comments as well. It's been fantastic coming your way on the show today. The podcast is available tomorrow, so please make sure you find it, listen to the debate, and get some clarification. I think one thing we all agreed on is the fact that this law, this data protection law, needs amendment and probably needs amendment yesterday. That's all from the rest of the team. A big thank you to everybody for doing the listening and sending your comments in. Till next week, stay techy.